Welcome to Paddling Adventures Radio. I'm Sean Rowley, and with me is Derek Specht. Hello. So, welcome to 2018, Derek. woo Yeah, it's been a long time coming. <laughs> yes, it has been. 2018 years. Just about one year. Well, <laughs> since the last time. Yeah, it's been a whole year since last year. <laughs> uh, we spent, well, you spent more time than I did, uh, up at Mew Lake yes. in Algonquin Park camping. Mm-hmm. Mew Year's Eve. Mew Year's, yes. Mew Year's. Happy Mew Year's. <laughs> Uh, they do the, Apparently they do this every year, uh, for the last couple of years at least. Uh, a bunch of people get up, they do the winter camping. A lot of hot tents. Uh, a lot of different types too. Yes. From, yeah, there's like camouflaged ones, various manufacturers. I didn't see those there's ones. Some, there's uh, two camo ones didn't that see I them. saw. <laughs> I couldn't see them. I couldn't see them. They're camouflaged. <laughs> I didn't put a flag on top of that. That's smart ass. Uh, you have your bell tent, your big old army yep, tent. The old army bell tent. There was RVs. Yep. <laughs> There's a couple RVs. Yeah. Um, then, yeah, all different brands of snow tents, snow trekkers, eskers, mm-hmm. all that. Etux. Yeah, there's there's were, a large variety. Yeah, it was really cool to see. And everybody's really nice uh, to say, hey, yeah, no, come on in, check this yeah, out. Yeah, Check it out. So that if you're looking to buy, yeah, then you, you know, you've sort of everybody got an idea was, of what you're looking at. Everybody was very happy to show off their tents. Yeah, which is really cool. Mm-hmm. And they did uh, a bunch of activities. A lot of people were out doing their hiking and stuff during the day. And uh, there was the onesie race, which I'm glad I missed. <laughs> I missed it too. Oh, <laughs> thank goodness. Oh, thank goodness. <laughs> Because apparently somebody, Johnny Stinson, Johnny Stinson uh, <laughs> believes that a Speedo is, is a onesie. A onesie, <laughs> a onesie pajama bottom. <laughs> uh, now, unfortunately, if he, I would have forgiven him had he been wearing a bow tie. <laughs> there was no bow tie. There is no forgiveness. Unfortunately, I did see the video of the race. So did I. <laughs> I will poke my eyes out afterwards, I was thinking. But, it, you know, it's, it's it, I'm surprised because it took them a while to set up. The, the video was quite long. So it was uh, Dwayne Sontag, and uh, Dwayne Sontag, he uh, he recorded the video. He went Facebook Live with it. And there was a lot of time in the setup, and there's a lot of time for them to get everybody to the start line. And I'm thinking, Johnny must be freezing. It had just been minus 33 the night before. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what the time, what temperature it was at the time of the race, but it was about minus 20 or minus 25 when I left at around 12, 1130. And he was standing out there. Just waiting. He's just casually standing out there do, waiting. Do, 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 do. Sitting <laughs> in my speedo, wearing nothing but shoes <laughs> on a cold winter's day. Yeah. Wow. Way to go, Johnny. Way yeah. to go, buddy. You're, you're our new hero. <laughs> But yeah, I told him uh, you should see if maybe he'd do a speedo race next year. He'd be the only if, one racing. He'd win. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Hands down. <laughs> there you go. A <laughs> um, couple people went uh, did a polar bear dip. Did they? They did. Oh, I saw I saw some still photos of some, of them cutting out the ice on Mew Lake. And then yeah, they jumped in, jumped right back out. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not sure that he really touched the bottom though. <laughs> I think so he's quick. halfway to the bottom and he's already on his way out. <laughs> Physics just fail me there. Was there a video of that? Yes. Yeah? Yeah, yeah. there's video of the two of them doing it. Um, that was pretty cool. But yeah, there was what a lot of stuff. What did they the hole in the ice with? Butter knife? I don't know. Like a handsaw or something? Uh, I guess. Or some sort of, well, the auger would have maybe started yeah. it. And then a saw of some sort afterwards. Hmm. And hear an explosion, so it could have been dynamite. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, I don't know. There was just a big hole there, and away you go. Uh, we did a little, yeah, did some uh, walking around, some hiking and stuff, and um, a lot of pictures of people cooking uh-huh. on their stoves. Yeah. You know, like, everybody's cooking, like, I mean, and that's the thing, is you can have full meals, right? Because it's like a stovetop yes. at home sort of deal, yeah, right? Just exactly. Just fire underneath. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, a lot, of, a lot of food shots. Yeah. Uh, there was the ice skating. Uh-huh. People were skating. There's yep. a couple of little hockey games going on. Yep. There's a big warming tent, so everybody could stand around the fire outside or go inside into the big warm tent. That was nice and toasty. They have a nice setup there up Mule Lake. It's it, they've yeah. done a really good job. They flush that the the ice rink every single morning. Yeah, they got a little hand. Uh, a little hand zamboni. Yeah, <laughs> which is pretty cool. Yeah, and uh, yeah, no, you know what? Like I just went out for the day trip. You were there for a few days. Yes. And yeah. uh, that was a long day trip too. It was a good trip. Mm-hmm. Really good. Really good day. Uh, I was up there at 8.30 uh, 
And uh, yeah, I just happened to see you and Beckett cross and coming back from yes. the bathroom yeah. at that point. Yeah. You guys were the only two I saw. Oh, yeah? Yeah. And uh, Camper Christina was uh, in her tent still. She said she wanted to get up, but it was just too cold. She was putting <laughs> it off till I said, I'm just in Huntsville. <laughs> oh. So... So she got up, yeah. And uh, but other than that, Mike had been Mike uh, Burns had been up walking his dog. Yes. But yeah. other than that, I didn't see anybody for the longest time. Mm-hmm. Well, I slept in pretty much any morning uh, that the kids would let me sleep in. Yeah. Well, that's what happens. <laughs> <laughs> Don't miss those days, buddy. But uh, definitely do it again. I mean, I like I said, I was just up there for the day trip, and it was a full day. Met a lot of people though. Mm-hmm. A lot of people, a lot of people that we've met online here. Yeah, we're dealing with the show, and then when they find out, oh yeah, you're Sean from Paddling Adventures Radio, then you're in a full blown conversation yeah. about everything. Yeah. And then I went from at one point, I think you know, over the course of two hours, I think I was in like seven different tents. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was whoring myself from tent to tent. So yeah, meeting a lot of people, mm-hmm. really nice people, having chats and stuff like that. Good group of people. Um, it's a really good community. It, it really is. It really is. So I definitely do that again. Uh, so yeah, so that's that was Mew Year's. Family Day weekend, you're talking about going up. Absolutely. Which will be another exactly, they do demos and everything there too. They do a lot more. There's, yeah. a, there's a lot more stuff that goes on over Family Day weekend. There's a lot of demos, how to build a... You know, a Quincy, how to build an igloo, and you know, there's more demos on on tents. It was it was very interesting. I went last year with family, and uh, they they show you a lot of stuff. There's a lot of interesting things going on. It's like nonstop, right? There's all yeah. these events, all different there, events everywhere. are all, and everything's scheduled and yeah. organized, right? Yes, yeah. So it's, yeah, that'll it's be very well to check planned. Out. It's very slick. Um. So yeah. So I got home about one thirty, twelve thirty. One o'clock in the morning. So you're on the road during for New Year's. Yeah, so New Year's. All of a sudden, I'm looking down my clock. Oh, oh yeah, it's New Year's. How about Happy that? New Year's to me. I was I was gone for 23 hours and 21 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> that was my day. That was a good day. Uh, but yeah, I got in and went to bed and slept. Got up, did pretty much nothing on January 1st. Mm-hmm. Did nothing. <laughs> Stayed in my PJs all day. Yeah. Did some videos, <laughs> checking some videos and some photos and stuff like this. I have been seeing an awful lot of videos of people kayaking and paddleboarding, especially kayaking and paddleboarding, and animals, hmm. especially along the coasts, right? Mm-hmm. Whales, dolphins, okay, seals, orca, killer whales, okay. all that sort of stuff. Manatees down in Florida. Yep. Right? Nature speed bump. <laughs> So if you were kayaking and SUPing, what animal would you love to see like that close? Well, you know, I always thought a killer whale would be neat, but I think that'd be a little scary. Well, that's why you'd be wearing your brown shorts that day. <laughs> it didn't start brown. They didn't brown. <laughs> Good choice. You married the brown shorts. I, I've always wanted to see like a, like I've seen, I've seen, uh, uh, out on uh, Bay Funday and stuff, sailing and stuff. I've seen, I've seen right whales and uh, uh, minke whales and stuff like that. It, it's but you're in a big boat. Yeah, you're in a big boat. But if you're tootling along the shore, on a kayak, or offshore, I would probably want not want to see anything larger than a crayfish. <laughs> that was pretty much my. <laughs> my my thing because you're watching these videos and guys just paddling there's one video that I've just seen in the last couple of days yeah. and dudes in this stand up paddleboard and there's two massive whales just doodly 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 doo coming up to oh, yeah. him and checking him out and then off he goes and there's other ones you're seeing oh look there's a whale okay that's pretty cool it's just over there and they got drone shots yeah. and then up from the depths come about six other whales oh it's yeah. like yeah no no. I, Are they uh, right whales, baleen whales? The ones that blow the bubbles and draw in the fish. Oh, those baleen? They're on the West Coast. What are they called? Um, whales. <laughs> <laughs> uh, sperm whales? I don't know. I whales. I can't remember. Anyways, Blue whales. They, they hunt together. They, they, yeah. they hunt in packs. I thought those were baleen whales. Is it baleen whales? I thought. Anyways, they, they come up from the depths blowing bubbles, and it creates a, an air a bubble net. wall, like yeah. a net. Then they come up and oh, open their mouths and and you always wonder why they, how they don't ever swallow a kayaker. 
Yeah, but they sure. must know what they're doing. Like they, they know what's above them. I guess. <laughs> Don't eat the crunchy bit. Yes. <laughs> at the top. Ah, <laughs> oh, there's a kayaker in my soup. <laughs> that boat just doesn't taste good. Yeah, no, I, I'm sort of with you there. It's like, you know what, as cool as it would be to see, like there was that uh, stand-up paddleboarder, was it last year? Tooling around and a killer whale comes up and starts oh, nibbling on the back of his yeah. his board. <laughs> Definitely wear the brown trunks that yeah, day. Because, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I just, I don't want to see that stuff. You if see, I'm in a big boat, that's one thing, but on a stand-up paddleboard or something like that. You're very vulnerable, eh? Very. You, they just knock you off and... <clears throat> I've seen a few videos like Baja Peninsula and stuff like that where where uh, killer whales just come along and investigate you. Mm-hmm. Because from underneath, you look like a seal, Yeah, I would yeah, say. Yeah. And so they come and check you out. And, and I've seen videos of the, uh, drone shots and, and the guys on the boats with their cameras or GoPros. And, and you see the whale kind of go by on its side. side as yeah. with, so its eye can see it. It kind of glides by on its side. It's like, oh, man, he's checking me out. Does he, does he size me up to see if yeah, I'll fit in his mouth? I can, I can get him <laughs> in one bite. How many have you seen of seals jumping onto the front of kayaks? I've seen a few videos of that, yeah. yeah. You just yeah. jump on because you wonder what's circling around underneath that yeah. s- scared them up there, right? I know. Sharks go nuts for them. <laughs> Killer whales go nuts for them. Yeah. Oh, there's a video I saw where the, the guys were on a powerboat and uh, a killer whale was circling them. Next thing you know, this seal jumped right out of the water right out of- onto the boi- boat and joined them. And it was more scared of the killer whale than it was of the guys of the, the boat. So it just kind of ignored the people and just wouldn't go back in the water. Wow. Yeah. No, I don't want to see anything... Uh, too big. It would be kind of neat, but it would be it would be really scary. Oh, I see it from a big boat, not from yeah, you know, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> uh, a couple other things here, quick little jibber jabber questions. When it comes to canoes, are you a beacher or a get out in the water kind of guy? Well, it depends. When I first bought my new canoe, I was get out in the water kind of guy, but now that I've had it for oh, I've had my boat for now almost fifteen years, I think. I uh, I just slide her right up onto the rocks. Really? Yeah. I don't I don't like beach it hard. I just kind of coast up enough so that you know I'm not in knee deep water anymore. Yeah. See, usually I'll get up if there's two people. I'll bring the nose in, just to where it's shallow enough for somebody to step out. Yep. And then they can pull it in slowly, and mm-hmm. then when I can get out, I get out. Mm-hmm. But I know people that yeah they like they're hell bent for leather getting to that shore and just. <laughs> <laughs> straight up the yeah right i developed a technique when i was uh paddling with mike burns so when i'm in the bow i just uh i just got in the habit of flopping a leg over the side of the canoe and uh my foot hangs lower than the canoe does in the water yeah. and my foot touches land before the canoe does so i just and as soon as my foot touches i'm just up and out of the canoe so it's an easy i do you know, the same transition. sort of i got a little maneuver i do when i'm in my osprey um, the, the solo, right? Cause you're paddling near the middle. Yeah. Like you're sitting in the middle, right? I'll come straight forward. And then the last second I spin the back end around. The ass end so end. I come yeah. sideways yeah. and I do the same thing with my foot. My foot's exactly, hanging over yeah. the side. So it hits and stops. Yeah. And then I just stand up Without and out. contacting the yeah. shore. Yeah. Yeah. I don't mind scratching. I mean, if you look at the bottom of my Osprey, there's enough scratches yeah. on it. Yeah. But. If you don't need to put any in there, why would you? Exactly. And, and like if you have a nice cedar stripper like Mike does, then you don't want to scratch it up too much. Oh, I do. <laughs> Just to watch him cry. <laughs> he whines like a baby. Yeah. <laughs> uh, sunrises or sunsets on a canoe trip. Which do you prefer and why? I'm not sure that I've ever... I, I had to have seen a sunrise, but I'm not sure. Uh, it was 1972. <laughs> it was a July day. So I'd have to say I would prefer sunsets because I see sunsets, but I always tend to steep through the sunrises. Yeah. I like sunsets because that's usually at the end of your day. You've eaten, so you got a nice full belly. You <laughs> usually got a beverage in your hand. You're sitting in a chair or on a rock and you're just nice quiet with the fire going and just watching it's the warmer, sun go it's down. It's nicer. Like yeah. mornings would be better life for photography. Yeah. Not that I've ever caught the morning light. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, none of the pictures on my wall have. I think I must have, like, on one of well, the trips. Well, that's a sunrise. Few. That big one there. Okay, yeah. Misty, the Misty Lake, on the water. yeah. Yeah. Um, I must have caught a sunrise or two with you, because you always get up early for picture for to- photography, photography stuff. yeah. So I must have done that. Yeah, I, you're still tired, and 
at the beginning of the day, you're thinking about everything you got to do that day. Yeah. So I think it's sort of lose some of it. Yes. But you're too distracted. Yeah. And at the end of the day, you're more relaxed after, yeah. especially after dinner, right? Because all you have to look forward to is uh, bedtime. Is bedtime. Yeah. yeah. So you just kind of relax, sitting around and watching the sunset. Uh, right. That's, That's mine. Yeah. Um, I paid a little visit to the Bass Pro Shop the other day. Well, the su- topics are just coming fast and furious. Fast and furious. There are no segues. <laughs> I'm just boom, 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 boom. I got things to talk about and you, sir, are going to listen. <laughs> Participate when My you can. My head is spinning. Yes. <laughs> so you don't say you went to Bass Pro. I went to Bass Pro Shop because after our weekend up at... On my day, your weekend. I've been humming and hawing about a winter tent and all that, mm-hmm. the hot tent sort of deal. But I'm really hedging on just the price of the tent itself. Yeah. Like right now, I've got other things to spend that kind of money Exactly. On. It's a lot of money. But I've gone looking for stoves before in off mm-hmm. season and you cannot find them. Well, yeah, they want to get rid of the stock for the yeah. summer, right? Even in the new year, like January and stuff like that, it's hard to find them mm-hmm. and like, at, at a decent price. Yes. Let's put that little caveat in there, <laughs> at a decent price. Well, I was just checking stuff out and I went on to the Bass Pro Shop website, website up, yep. and we hit Vaughn, which is the one closest to us in Toronto. They have the Nyko stoves and yes. they had a few of them. And when you look at how many they have in stock... Zero, zero, <laughs> zero, 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 zero. Accessories, zero, 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 zero. <laughs> Little extra bits, zero, zero. Um, but I was looking at the Alaskan stove. That's it's, sort of their bigger one. They're larger, Not their yeah. biggest, but one mm. of their bigger ones. And there was a little one, one next left. to it. So I called dude up and I said, listen, dude, is that really there? Because that's what happens. I don't want to drive all the way up there. Yeah, exactly. And he goes, oh, no, sorry, our system just hasn't updated yet. <laughs> so I decided to call him, and he says, yeah, there's one there. So they put it... Put it aside for you? Put it aside for me. So I got the Alaskan, which is a nice store. I mean, it's sitting right beside us here. Yes. Uh, 20 inches high, 12 inches wide, and 24 inches long. Storage size, 12 by 12 by 24. The firebox size, I guess the inside mm-hmm. 11 and a half by 10 and three quarters by 22 that's a pretty decent size stove it's, i'm looking at it right now it's a nice stove i have i have one that's very similar but mine's uh mine rats mine is a muskrat metalwork stove from michigan and uh it's a nice stove uh, the guy makes fantastic sh- stoves in his in his shop yep. all handmade he does all the welding himself all the bending and and riveting and stuff like that uh, but it, it's like a very nice quality craft handmade stove. Right. But this one here, it's, I'm impressed by it. It's a really good heavy gauge metal. It's, it's, uh, all the seams, all the welds and, and there's a lot of uh, spot welds and stuff. It's, it's a very well-made stove. I'm very impressed by it. It's, uh, it's very slick. You can see that it's manufactured, but it's, it's a super nice stove. Yeah. 22 gauge cold rolled steel. Very, very nice. Mm-hmm. Five inch stove pipe hole. Um, and the stove itself, just the stove is 18 pounds. Yeah, that's not too bad. Not too shabby. Then you get the five inch tapered stove pipe, which is in sections. Yes. Right? So you pull it and it all fits inside. Mm-hmm. It's got a damper with a damper sleeve and it's a cast iron damper. Yes, it's, it's impressive. Which is really nice. And that fits perfect. Spark arrestor, which a lot of people, they call the... The, the potato masher, they yes, don't use yes, it, yeah. you know, because the creosote will build up and, mm-hmm. you know, you cause problems. So, I mean, yeah, and that's exactly it. You know what? You got to clean your gear as I, well. I think and, if you were in shoulder season and using it where there wasn't snow or... I'd be more, were, yeah. Or more if you were in there. a dense area where you're close to trees and branches, I'd use a spark ruster. But Definitely. if you're just out in a in an open area and it's snow on the ground, you probably wouldn't even need a bother. No. No, I don't think so. Like it would be handy to keep the rain out if you're in shoulder season again too, but again, if it's winter, it's just snow. It's just snow coming in through it. It's whatever. I yeah. wouldn't even bother with a spark roster. Yeah. So when you put all of that on, 
the stove becomes 25 pounds, which realistically still isn't all that bad. It's not too bad. Right? It's it's very reasonable uh, weight that you would stick on your sled and drag into the bunk country. Yeah, definitely. So I'm going to uh, do the, the initial burn this weekend. Mm-hmm. Get a bunch of wood, get it in there, burn it for an hour or so. Uh, I did, like I say, with all the accessories and stuff like that, zero, 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 zero. Yeah. So I'll have to go get those elsewhere. Yeah. Um, or make them, but, you know, get the little side, uh, trays on it. Now they do have a, a water, hot water tank that you can hang off the side, but they say if you let it go dry, it like say you it. have it going and then there's not much water and then you go out for a bit and then you come back and it's dry. Yeah. It can cause some damage. Oh, okay. And there's a hundred dollar piece down there. Just tubes, some warpage right? and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So, and you know what? That's why you got a kettle on the top for crying out loud. It's a, it's a fairly large, like you said, it's the Alaskan. It's a fairly large stove. It's, you're kind of committing yourself to a larger tent. Mm-hmm. You know what? I've been in some smaller tents and it's just like, you know what? I just don't want a small tent. Mm-hmm. I want to be yeah. able to move around. I want yeah. to be comfortable. I don't want to feel like I'm, you know, my, my arms are against my, my sides yeah. and as I'm squeaking pie, everything mm-hmm. just getting from my bed to the door. Yeah. Uh, yeah. If I'm doing that, yeah. then I'm not comfortable. That's I'm not. madness. Yeah. yeah. I expect that my Spitfire solo tent when I'm solo <laughs> canoeing, yes. not when I'm winter camping. Yes, exactly. Right. But I would be hot in there, though, wouldn't I? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I've got the uh, I've got the ten uh, man army bell tent, and uh, this would be perfect, ideal in that in that tent for for a couple reasons. For one reason, it's uh, the tent's big, and yep. this would uh, very well heat the tent. Uh, the other reason is that uh, the, uh, the, the this stove is fairly large, and the tent is. <laughs> I don't know if you've ever seen it rolled up, but it's it's very large rolled up and it weighs a lot. It's like a two-man haul, two-man carry. So the 10-man the bell is not something you're going to tow my sled into the backcountry unless yeah. it's a very short trip. It's just too Well, you big know what? Bulky. Like, Yeah, but there's a lot of stuff. It's like there's a lot of campground stuff that you can, like places you can camp. Yep. That's accessible that you can do winter camping. Yeah, Mule Lake. Yeah, and like Mule Lake and Point stuff. And there's Pele enough to, to be doing that sort McGregor of stuff. Point you don't need and, to necessarily yeah. be doing the snowshoeing in for oh, yeah, 20 exactly. kilometers, yeah. right? Yeah. But you're just looking for a base camp area so you can get out and enjoy the winter activities yeah. type thing. Yeah. Yeah. So that's that's yeah. exactly it. So, yeah, the tent is next on my list. But mm-hmm. uh, for now, I got the stove. We'll give it a whirl and see what happens. It's a nice stove. Yeah. Uh, the other thing I saw at the Bass Pro Shop which made me feel all tingly in the swimsuit area. <laughs> the Redhead 10-tray high-efficiency food dehydrator. Yeah, I saw you post a picture of that. Now, my food dehydrator mm-hmm. is a Nesco. Yep. It's got five, Nesco snack five trays, four yep. trays. I put my stuff on. I put the lid on, and there's an on button. Oh, you can't it control starts, temperature? I can't do... It, it's like my old truck. Everything is manual. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you put the lid on, hit the button, and time it for 10 hours or whatever, huh. and hopefully everything's done. I must have a newer version. I have the Nesco Snackmaster. I bought extra trays, so I think I have 10 trays in total. And it, um, I can control the temperature, and it's it's based on, like, foods. Like, there's a, and you can go from, I think the lowest temperature is 85 or 90 degrees, and it goes up to 140 degrees, and that'd be Fahrenheit. Yeah, well, that's what this thing has got. 10 trays, 11 and a half by 14 and a half inches. Mm-hmm. Ten of them all at once. Yeah. It almost looked like one of those little uh, plastic storage bins. Yeah. The door opens at the front, though, and all these little trays pull out, right? Yeah. Uh, digital timer for up to 24 hours. That's good. Adjustable temperature control. A removable drip tray. Yeah. Handy. $250. That's a lot. That's when the tingling in my swimsuit area stopped. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 250 bucks. Really cool looking. And I mean, you, you could be dehydrating all day every day for the year i mean you you'd be like oh but see at that kind of price you're just doubled you know yes so i walked out with the stove instead (laughs) the other thing which was really cool because we talked about something like this on our show before okay mr beer craft beer kit ah yes 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 the mr beer craft beer kit (laughs) coming to a store near you (laughs) Makes two gallons or 22 servings of beer, American lager, Northwest pale ale. There's like tons of flavors that you can get. But this is something you're, you're still talking about, uh, making it home over two weeks and bottling it. And yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. You but need... they're plastic bottles. Yes. And that's right? important. Bottles sold separately. They're plastic. Yeah. Comes with a two-gallon fermenter with lid, spigot, washer, and nut assembly, American lager brewing extract, packet of yeast under lid of brewing extract, booster pouch, packet of no-rinse cleaner, and easy-to-follow brewing instructions. <laughs> so you make that up. You get it, put her in the bottles. I don't know how long I sit in the bottles. <laughs> Let that get all cold. And then you take it on your canoe trip with you. A couple of bottles. Because it's not glass. Yeah. Right? Throw those in the lake. Let them. Yeah. Right? Get nice and cold. Yeah. And then you pop one open. And the only reason it tastes good is because you could really go for a beer after that last <laughs> four kilometer portage <laughs> that was uphill both ways. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> 50 bucks for the kit. What you need though is dehydrated alcohol. Mancamping.ca. <laughs> they had uh, what? What did you get? You got the Caesar pleaser. I got a margarita mix. There was a Caesar pleaser thing, or like so, a Caesar mix. Right. So the margarita, obviously tequila or whatever, uh, tequila gin, whatever. And then there's the Caesar mix vodka, and there was one. It was uh, what was it called? It was uh, it was uh, they they recommend bourbon, mixing it with bourbon. Ooh. Yeah, I wasn't sure about that one, but I bought a couple of them. We'll have to try it out on Family Day weekend. Yeah, no, I'm looking at this here now. There's nothing about bourbon. Uh, but yeah, you add like 100 milliliters of water and your alcohol, whatever drink you're making, and shake, 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 guzzle, guzzle, guzzle. I'm not fully understanding exactly the dynamics and logistics and the... Of creating dehydrated alcohol or an alcohol uh, the powder? Alco- the, yeah, the powder is just all the flavorings in mm-hmm. a margarita. So all the extra bits that you get in a margarita. But didn't we see a kit before where it's dehydrated alcohol and it was a mix? Dehydrated beer, kind of, sort of, yeah. Mm-hmm. But it didn't get very good reviews. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. we were we did that on one of our shows there, one of our episodes, and we mm-hmm. were talking about, maybe we should check it out and get some. But it was a big hassle to try to get. That would have been before... We found uh, it before available. The we found it available in BC, so in we, Albert, we yeah. could avoid customs. Yeah, because yeah. that's the big thing. Um, but following up on it, doing some more research and stuff like that, found out nobody actually liked it. Oh yeah. Yeah. So I put the kibosh on that. <laughs> so this stuff here is just adding all the flavor crystals. Basically, to me, it's like making the uh, what are those little light flavor crystals you add to water. Oh yeah, like Kool Aid or yeah, yeah. It's like it's like you're making an alcoholic yeah. Kool Aid. Just <laughs> add it to that and drink up, right? Drink so, Kool Aid. So yeah, you'll have to try that out. So that's what I found on my trip to Bass Pro Shop. Wow. So I got the Alaskan stove. I left the beer and I left the dehydrator <laughs> tray there. There's some pretty cool little nifty items. Yeah, kind of neat, eh? So yeah, so I'll have to give this uh, stove a try, and uh, I think it's definitely worth worth it. Um, next event thing is upcoming events. Mm-hmm. So what's coming up, buddy? Because this is the start of the season. You got to start thinking yes. about so what's coming. Now right? we're, we're looking at, it's the new year. It's the spring. It's the, uh, it's the trade show season. So upcoming trade shows, and we've got, uh, five of them right now on our list. Uh, upcoming in February. So February 23rd, 24th, and 25th is the Toronto Outdoor Adventure Show. And that's at the Toronto International Center. And then coming up in March, on March 3rd, is the Quiet Water Symposium. And we went to that we last year. Went to that year. last year. It was, it was a really good setup. That's where we saw all the giant rabbits. Did you? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I don't, still don't know how much per pound. Yes. <laughs> and that's at the Michigan State University Pavilion. Then comes along on March 9, 10, and 11 is Canoe Copia at the Alliant Energy Center in Madison, Wisconsin. I'm hoping we can get to this year. Yes, it would be nice. It's a, it's a long drive. It's a long distance to go. I know that Mike Burns wants to go with us if we get to go down that way. It's the other side of Chicago from here, right? Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. It's a bit of a haul. Yeah. And then right after that in April is the Ontario Backcountry Canoe Symposium, Saturday, April 7th at the Theatre of the Arts in Uni- at the University of Waterloo. So I'm looking, really looking forward to that. Mm-hmm. It's it's basically the Kitchener Waterloo Canoe Symposium, and and they've changed the some the format, changed the name, and they've picked a new, new location. location yeah. So it's getting bigger and better. And we are sponsors. Yes, we are. 
And the uh, the final thing on my little list here of uh, of happiness is the Ottawa Outdoor Adventure Show, which is April twentieth, twenty first, and twenty second at the EY Center in Ottawa. Yeah, I mean these are all events that are coming up, and you got to start adding to your calendar now because you know how things fill up. Yeah, you got to plan you know? your you got to plan your season. You got to plan. Yeah, there's always winter. really cool new stuff to see, and a mm-hmm. lot of good speakers and stuff yep. like that. I know there's a few people that we know that are speaking. They're always at these events. They're so. always a lot of fun. There's yeah. there's so many people that you can bump into that are going to these shows, and the talks are always interesting. Where people are describing their trips down the Rio Grande in Texas, or or you know the the mountain river in in out west, and you know you get to hear about all these weird and fantastic and amazing trips beautiful photography it, it's just something that's so fantastic you just really want to you want to be able to see it all and there's never enough time to see it all but you do the best you can yes um uh, well that's a lot of chatting uh <laughs> yes. let's take a quick commercial here and we'll come back because i want to talk about paddling through mongolia mongolia well, I figure if, we're, if we're looking to go rafting in nepal yes well mongolia is not really that far away <laughs> Since we're already over there. Have you booked our tickets yet to Nepal? No. (laughs) (laughs) Once that lottery ticket hits, baby, (laughs) yeah, we're paddling everywhere. So take a quick break. We'll be right back. Hi, this is Dark Sparst. You're listening to Paddling Adventures Radio. If you like what you've been hearing, you can find out more by checking us out at paddlingadventuresradio.com, as well as on Facebook, Instagram, and on Twitter. You can find all of our episodes on iTunes, Google Play, and the episode page for our website, where all our podcasts are available for download or streaming. We love to hear from our listeners, so if you have a suggestion for the show or want to let us know how we're doing, please drop us a line. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the show. This portion of the show is brought to you by Algonquin Outfitters. Algonquin Outfitters, providing quality Algonquin Park backcountry adventures for the entire family since 1961. Whether you want to get on the water for a day or a week, the friendly staff at Algonquin Outfitters can help you out. Find them online at algonquinoutfitters.com or visit one of their 12 locations. Algonquin Outfitters, your outdoor adventure store, with locations in Algonquin Park, Muskoka, and Halliburton. Welcome back. So, Derek, we are talking Mongolia. Yes, Mongolia. It's uh, not exactly the uh, paradise of uh, paddling destinations that I had imagined, but it turns out it is. I just, you don't think of places like this. Well, you know what, like I say, I was talking, looking at all this stuff about paddle Nepal, doing the rafting, right? Yes. And looking at different stuff and different, and I was, I saw there was a movie that came out, unfortunately it wasn't subtitled in English, the uh, Eagle Huntress. Eagle Huntress? I think I've heard of that. Yeah. And it was in Mongolia. And there was yeah. some sh- scenery in there and stuff like that. And I started looking at stuff and found out there's a place called Paddle Mongolia. Uh, PaddleMongolia.com. Yeah. And they offer trips. Yeah. So you go to their site and it talks about a whole lot of it. Now, Mongolia is basically almost oval shaped. Uh, stuck right between China and Russia. Yeah. China, so the- Russia. What is it? To the east or the west is uh, Kazakhstan. Kazakhstan, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's like 36 kilometers separating yeah. the two of them. So it lies, uh, Mongolia lies on a continental divide. So the rivers uh, in the north flow north to the Arctic Ocean. And then in the northeast, they flow east to the Pacific Ocean. Uh, so there are big rivers there. And they say the northern region, it's usually torrential mountain rivers and streams that merge into big, yes. deep rivers. And they're usually uh, really fast with steep gradients, right? So, which mm-hmm. is pretty cool. And, or just or totally flight. opposite. Yeah. Just totally slow, Flat meandering, water. not doing anything, right? So, you can get some whitewater stuff or you can get flat yeah, water. Yeah, you can get anything that meets your skill level. Exactly it. So, you know, so started to, to, to check around at stuff like that. And even just looking at the scenery and stuff, it looks pretty cool, right? Um, but in the southern area, the lakes, saltwater, freshwater, uh, springs. Oh, okay, cool. They Sal- draw yeah. on subterranean water yeah. because they're intermittent and seasonal rivers. Yeah, because of the altitude, these uh, everything flows away. All the water flows away from Mongolia. Not much yeah. flows in. Uh, so, yeah, 
and that's exactly it, is it flows away and um, these rivers they'll start big in the sun, in the spring sort of thing and then just die out and then halfway where there's a big river before is yeah. dry uh, northern Mongolia um, has two main rivers the Orkhon and the Selenj I think that's how you pronounce it uh, the Orkhon, 700 miles or 1130 kilometers is Mongolia's longest river and lies within the country. It's the yes. only one that lies fully within the country. Yes. The other drains northwards into, from central Mongolia and out into Russia. Those are the two biggies that are, that are there. Their third longest one, the Kurlin, runs from its source in the Kenti Mountains before turning eastward and flowing across eastern Mongolia. So there's definitely big rivers there that you can choose from. Yeah, there's and and it, it's there's enough variety there to fit any skill level. If you want to go and see a, a foreign land and paddle, this is the this is a place to go. It definitely is, and there's even a great lake. They have a, what they call a Great Lakes region. Hey, when I read that, it sounded funny. Because yeah. we we have a Great Lakes. We have region. a Great la- Great Lakes region. Yeah, but this one's different, um, and it's in the Mongolian interior, and it rises from the glaciers of the Altai Mountains. Uh-huh. Uh, so yeah, so the rivers, that's where it all stays. And then again, other rivers end in salt lakes and, or disappear into the Gobi desert, which yeah. is cool. Mm-hmm. Mongolia is known as land of the eternal blue sky. <laughs> that's right? got to be on their license plates, I guess. I don't think they really got license plates. And they must have cars there. Well, they do, but I don't know if they got enough to warrant license, license plates. A lot of no, nomadic tribes. Um, the waterways themselves, it's like beautiful canoeing rivers range from very easy, uh, to full fledged and challenging white water. Yeah. Right. Uh, rivers thing with this is the rivers have been left in their natural state. Yeah. And that's awesome because there's so many countries nowadays that like there's, there's this rush here in North America that modify, modify, and you know, they corrupt the rivers and. So it's uh, it's really uh, it's nice to see that they're actually leaving them natural. But I suppose progress comes, right? Because uh, eventually, you know, you're going to see development come to even the remotest lands, including Mongolia. Well, they said because of the intermittent seasonal rivers, uh-huh. that is pretty much made it difficult to do hydroelectric. Oh, okay. Right. Yep. So that's why you're not yeah. seeing the dams and all mm-hmm. that sort of stuff, right? There's no dams, no power plants. They're not straightening and channeling or any other river modifications. So yeah, basically, like they say, it's a paddler's dream. Problem is, is where it is and how to get there, right? Yeah, it's a little difficult. Uh, Lots of the landscapes even, you're getting treeless high mountain steps all the way down to dense forests. Yeah, boreal forest, just like here. Uh, June to September is the perfect time to go. Yes, I assume it's uh, just all snow otherwise. <laughs> I'm thinking. Nomadic families have their summer camps near the rivers that you're going to be going at this point because they use it for their drinking water, they use it for their animals, that sort of stuff. And they say sometimes you'll just see guys sitting there hauling in uh, <laughs> trout with just a spinner and, and yeah. line, right? Yeah. So, I mean, the, the fishing is, I mean, if you're into the fishing and all that when you're yeah. camping and canoeing and kayaking, this is perfect. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Uh, most people fly to Mongolia to Ulaanbaatar uh, from major airports in Europe. How long did it take you to practice to say that one? 15 hours. <laughs> <laughs> so there are inland flights in Mongolia, uh, which are usually done by a couple of uh, local airlines. Um, frequent, affordable services. But <laughs> I like this one thing that they put in here. Might want to add here that we cannot confirm any of the still circulating wild stories of drunk pilots, airplanes that literally fall apart, or sheep in the passenger compartment. <laughs> okay. On the contrary, today's Mongolian domestic air transport is reliable, safe, and, as far as we can judge, completely up to international standards. Well, it's nice to see that they're being <laughs> honest about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know what? As, as reading their whole pages here, uh, and that, that they put little things in there and you're thinking, I wouldn't be saying that. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe there's a reason you're not getting a lot yeah. of visitors, right? A lot of tourists. <laughs> the one thing I do like, if you book a canoe trip with us, 
We will help you plan and organize your individual journey to and from our start and end points. So they'll tell you, okay, well, this is how you have to get here. Here's how you take a bus to get to here. Yeah, they lay it out. Exactly. They lay it all out for you. Uh, They even give you stuff that you need to know. Border permits. If you're traveling from district to district, I guess it's like little counties, I guess would be the thing. Uh, A lot of the districts on the Russian border, you're required to carry border permit. That is best issued before your trip. And it needs to be stamped and registered by the border patrol offices of the district that you're going to visit because there could be some trouble and fines. Uh Uh-huh. You might find yourself in the gulag. (laughs) Uh, Vaccinations, health issues, get shots for rabies, tetanus, and you might want to get one for hepatitis, Uh, broadband antibiotics and painkillers. There was something they were talking about. The plague is still there. No way, really? Very rare, but it does happen. Hmm. But not like the medieval black plague that you're thinking. Yeah, okay. So I just, okay, whatever. Yeah, you wouldn't be telling people that. <laughs> uh, yeah, that, that should be on your brochure. Yeah, on your brochure. Hey, come to Mongolia, get the plague. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's go. Yeah. Woo! Party of seven. Uh, very good idea to bring your mobile phone, get a Mongolian SIM card upon arrival. That's not something everybody has. No, and, and that's interesting. That's one of those things that, I know I've very, very rarely thought about is, is where you're going, get a local SIM card. Yeah. But a couple of guys at work have done that and they say you save a lot of money. I would think and so. You, and not just saving money, but you have the freedom to, if you're going to call home, you can just. I thought it was going to be a freedom mobile commercial. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they talk about their trips and what to bring. Mm-hmm. They only offer a few trips a year, a big trips a year. Oh yeah? Yeah. Um, I guess cause it's a short paddling season, right? Yeah, it is. It's rather short. It's mm, not too much different than ours, I guess. <laughs> well, and then there's the, the one summer one, 7th to 29th of July. So yeah, you know, uh, our trips, we provide a kitchen tent and all cooking gear as well as boats, life vest and paddle for everybody. Oh, that's good. You need to bring a very warm sleeping bag rated to at least minus 15. Camping mattress plus a small repair kit. Punctures are very common. Mm-hmm. A tent that can take a, lo- a bit of bashing from storms and the rather rough everyday use on our trips. Bring a warm and sturdy down jacket, warm fleece, long underwear. Basically, you want to be warm, right? <laughs> you will also want to bring shorts and other summer clothes. It's not always cold in Mongolia. In fact, days are usually warm uh, even hot between mid-May and September. Nevertheless, yeah. as soon as the sun goes, and that's what it always is, right? The sun goes down and it gets cold. So, and quite often falls below freezing. So you mm-hmm. have your nice warm stuff for the day and then in the evening, you're protected, right? Bring enough batteries for your flashlight, headlamps, cameras, electronic gear you want to bring. Bring both two 20-volt and 12-volt chargers if possible. Uh, why is, oh, yeah, yeah, reading, yeah, yeah, it, yeah. It switches, so, eh? Yeah. Depending on where you are. You want to charge off a vehicle or you charge off of the household power or whatever. Yeah. Uh, all socket systems are used and mixed, which can make things sometimes a little fiddly. But on the other hand, this also means that there's usually always a solution for everything. Yes. Uh, they go into this one, Mongolian summer on Delgermormon. Moron. 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 Delgermormon. Uh, 7th to 29th of July, 2018. That's a pretty long, long trip. Um, July in Mongolia. This is the uh, Nadam Festival. Yeah, it's their national Mon- holiday. Yeah, Mongolia national holiday. So f- horse races, traditional wrestling, archery contest. Basically the stuff you'd see in one of those movies, right? That'd be nice. It'll get yourself a little bit of culture. Well, and that's exactly it. It says it's hot, the grass is green, step bursts with nomadic life, yaks, horses, cool down in the rivers, curd dries on the roofs of shiny white yurts. Families are busy producing mare's milk, raw material for air egg, a ferment. Oh, I've seen that. A fermented and light alcoholic national beverage of Mongolia. There was that guy that did the... Uh, Travel show. The two brothers, you mean? No, no, just the one guy. Oh. Well, I can't remember his name. We watched him all the time. But he was there, and he had some of that. And he the had drunken guy. traveler? Nope, no. No, 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 totally. English, English fella. Oh, okay. Um, but yeah, he got totally plastered on it. <laughs> uh, they paddled down the river, uh, Delgar Mormon, 
moron. Why do I say mormon? Moron. <laughs> An outstandingly beautiful and lowly, lonely, fast-flowing wilderness river in the Russian-Mongol border region, remote north of the country. Uh, totally wild landscape. Large forests. Lonely steppe valleys framed by rugged and dramatic mountains. <laughs> okay, so I mean, you get a awesome. picture where you're going through, right? Yeah. It sounds and absolutely It fantastic. sounds very similar to like uh, if you're out in in like Calgary and, you know, it's sort of that mountainous. They get the plains, you get yeah. the mountains, the steppes. Foothills and, and all that, yeah. Uh, so when you arrive in Ulaanbaatar, you head to... Moron. Mor- <laughs> Mor- it's got, it can't be pronounced Moron. Moron? In the northmost, northernmost region of Mongolia. There they meet, you meet your guides... And your driver who will bring you to your yurt hotel outside of town. <laughs> okay, awesome. You relax, whatnot, um, good food and all that. Then you go to the market to start buying your supplies. That would be really neat. It would be. Right? Just because it's you, new you, stuff, you're, you know? you're talking like local vegetables and all the weird stuff that you'd find in, in a foreign country, yeah. right? Yeah, uh, we consider weird. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, then they head straight north. Uh, to see the Nadam festival in a little one of the little villages nearby, or they hang out a bit longer in order to see festivities in town because they don't post where they're going to be and when they're going to be oh, until okay. later. And at yeah. the time they say that it hasn't posted yet. So once you get on the river, um, it's at the, t- the confluence of a couple of rivers and about a hundred kilometers, you're pr- you paddle pretty much by yourself. No villages, hardly any nomadic families. So it's just pure scenery. That'd There's, be wild, eh? To be so isolated. Yeah. Huh. No no access by car except for towards the end of the 100 kilometers. Um, once you pass a couple of little villages, the valley opens up and you enter the huge steppe plain. And that's when you they start to encounter more nomadic families and that sort of stuff. Uh, yeah, and then they... You paddle there, and then you come back to where you you started, uh-huh. and then you go another seven days. Uh, yeah, but after seven days, you you paddle, you get back to your your hotel. Oh, we're looking at a lot of time here. And then you you stay there for, and then you go the other way, and come back, and then from where you end, they drive you back to Ulaanbaatar through the Mongolian countryside. Huh. Is that cool? That is cool. Um, I want to go. That's. You know what? It, it's it's really cool sounding. It, it, just the scenery itself, right? Yep. Totally different. And again, it's it's the location and all the, the, the stuff you need to do to get there that sort of turns people off, right? The logistics? The, the logistics are a bit of a nightmare and it, you can't really help that. Yeah. Uh, prerequisites for attending. It is neither a beginner's trip or a difficult whitewater challenge. You'll need a bit of experience on moderately fast-flowing rivers and easy with easy rapids, grade one or two. Yeah, you need to be able to navigate fully laden canoe uh, around rocks and through some tight curves. Sometimes, but rarely, avoiding trees or bushes. Okie dokie. Hmm. We'll paddle 280 kilometers in about 10 or 11 days, which means we'll cover about 20 to 35 kilometers a day. That's Give- a fairly decent day. Yeah. That's a good distance. Given the mostly fast flow of the river, this is not very much. Uh, usually there remains ample time to enjoy the beauty of the landscape, stroll off to the hills, or enjoy the sunshine on a riverbank in, in oh. the camp. But I mean, it my sort of thing awesome, would be being right? able to hook up, you know, come to one of these nomadic tribe villages set up yeah. and just yeah. the culture itself, right? It's totally something totally different. They do small group sizes, six persons max. Uh, supported by two guides, one Mongolian, one European, because it's the Swiss company that started this. Oh, okay. Yeah, a guy went there and he saw, he just loved it, and he started up a company with another guy, and that's uh, a Mongolian fella, and uh, sort of took off. That's so cool. We provide full board, including breakfast, cold lunch, warm dinner, coffee, tea, water, and beer. You're in. <laughs> uh, kitchen tent, stove, all cooking equipment, all paddling equipment, high quality. Winona tandem canoes. Nice. Paddles, PFDs, dry bags, and throw bags. All their trips, they carry satellite phone and large expedition-grade first aid kits. 
Hmm. So they're well prepared. It, it's it sounds like it's going to be, be a fantastic trip. The uh, the remoteness, the isolation. Oh, yeah, it just sounds That'd be awesome. awesome. I mean, we think about going up to the Yukon, but look at this. Eh? Does do they ever mention <laughs> mosquitoes? They don't. This is no no mention of bugs at all. There's got to be bugs. There's got to be. You think, but uh, nomads, fishermen, caravans. Eagle hunters, camels, horses, monks, vultures, mountains, steppes, rivers, lakes, forests. Wow. Oh. Could you imagine seeing like a caravan going by? Did they have any prices on their website? Uh, in theirs. And I, I really couldn't figure out the conversion. Oh, the conversion rate? Yeah, it, was, it goes into one type of money to another type of money to another, to euro yeah. to, yeah. Um, $8. Huh. So, anyway, that's Mongolia. Oh, I want to go, want to go. Check it out. Uh, PaddleMongolia.com. Let's take a quick break and we'll come right back. Hey, this is Sean Rowley and you're listening to Paddling Adventures Radio. To find out more about us, check out our website, PaddlingAdventuresRadio.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Current and past episodes of our podcast can be downloaded or streamed from iTunes, Google Play, and the episode page of our website. If you have any questions, comments, or ideas for the show, we would love to hear from you. So drop us a line on Facebook or our website. Thank you for listening. Enjoy the show. Welcome back. Well, Derek, hot tenting and Mongolia. Absolutely amazing Mongolias. I want to go. Yeah, I mean, you look at the pictures and it's phenomenal. We'll hit that right after Nepal. <laughs> Perfect. All right. <laughs> well, thanks everybody for listening this week. If you want to find more about us, check us out at paddlingadventuresradio.com. Until next week, I'm Sean Rowley. And I'm Derek Sprecht. We'll see you next time.